Folks, if you have a Bible there, uh, please open it to Mark chapter 7. And we're going to continue with our studies in Mark's Gospel and start reading at verse 24. Jesus has just had a confrontation with the Pharisees and has convicted them uh, with, by, by saying that their uncleanness does not come from the things that they do, but uncleanness comes from within, from the heart. Well, then we see Jesus retreating, as we've seen Jesus do before. He's going for some rest. And so we'll start reading in verse 24. This is God's word. From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her, out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For this saying, Go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought him the one who was they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hands on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears. He spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven he sighed and said to him, Ephapatha, that is be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loose, and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Well, Amen. We thank God that he blesses us when we read this truth. Folks, you know by this stage, probably, that I'm a fan of C.S. Lewis. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote the Narnia books, and he was also a bit of a theologian. Now, you have to be careful if you're reading C.S. Lewis's theology, because some of it is totally off the wall. Some of it is, is very, very good, but some of it's totally off the wall. But what I think C.S. Lewis was really, really good at is understanding human beings. He knows what makes us tick. He was able to, to point out things that we can all recognize in ourselves. One example of this is found in a lecture he gave to students in Oxford. He later wrote as an essay called The Inner Ring. And this essay describes something that we probably all felt. Now, I will never study at Oxford, but it's something I have in common with those who do. 
It's it's the feeling of being on the outside. Being on the outside. Lewis says, I believe that in all men's lives at certain periods, and in many men's lives at all periods between infancy and extreme old age, one of the most dominant elements is the desire to be inside the local ring and the terror of being left outside. We all want that, don't we? We all want to be on the inside. The feeling of being left out is miserable. We want to be in with whatever crowd matters to us at the time, to feel as if we're accepted. We want to be in the know about what's going on with the group. Being outside is no fun at all. I'm sure we can all remember times in our lives when we felt excluded or we felt left out. Maybe you've even been made to feel that way by people in the church. And I'm sorry if you have felt that way, because the good news of today's passage is that there is no outside in the kingdom of God. All are welcome here. Through Christ, the church has a banner of outsiders welcome. So if you have ever felt excluded, please hear the good news of God's word to you today. That in his kingdom, you are welcome. I would encourage you to have Mark chapter 7 open in front of you as we hear from God's word today. We read these these two seemingly unconnected miracles. And what we're going to see is that with the coming of Jesus in the flesh, God is doing something. He's bringing about a new age, a, a, a new era in the history of the world. This is the messianic age. It's been foretold and prophesied in the Old Testament, and it begins with the coming of Christ. The messianic kingdom which begins with Christ, opens up the way to God for all people. All are welcome, Jew and Gentile alike. Now there are two clear sections in our passage. And we're going to look first at the healing of the Syrophoenician woman's daughter and then turn our attention to the deaf and mute man. So let's begin at verse 24. Jesus is heading out to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And by doing so, he's leaving the borders of Israel. He went to a place where there would have been Jews living, but it's outside of the land that belongs to the Jewish people. In all likelihood, Jesus is seeking a little rest. In the last couple of chapters, like I said before, we've seen him very active. He's been healing, he's been teaching, and he's been engaged in this conflict with the Pharisees. Every time he tried to get away, well, the crowds followed him, didn't they? And so here he has left the land of Israel altogether. He's presumably after a bit of rest in a place where he's not known. But, as Mark tells us at the end of verse 24, he could not be hidden. Jesus could not be hidden. And a woman who has heard of him and his miracle working ability, well, she seeks him out and she falls at his feet. Now by falling at his feet, it indicates both that she respects Jesus, but also she is desperate. See verse 26, 
It tells us that she kept asking Jesus to cast a demon out of her daughter. But the important detail Mark highlights for us is that this woman who is very persistent is definitely an outsider. She was a Greek, Syrophoenician by birth. Now Greek here doesn't mean obviously then that she was born in Greece. It means she's Greek speaking. She's part of the, the Greek world governed by the Roman Empire at the time. Her national identity is Syrian, Syrophoenician. Mark is highlighting very deliberately for us that this woman is not a Jew. Before Christ, this woman is an outsider to the people of God. But her presence and her persistence, well, they cause Jesus to answer her. This woman desperately wants her daughter to be healed. And you see what Jesus says to her in verse 27. He says, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, this needs broken down. At first glance, it might appear that Jesus is insulting the woman. It might appear that Jesus is doing an Arlene Foster. Remember Arlene's line about the crocodiles? Well, Jesus is he really referring to this woman and her daughter as dogs? Well, no, he's not. Not really. First, I want you to notice the word little. There is at least some affection in the words of Jesus. He's not talking about wild or savage dogs. He's talking about little dogs. The kind that might have been brought into the family home and lived as pets under the table. But in reality, Jesus is not even referring specifically to this woman and her daughter at all. He's making a wider and more general point. Really, Jesus is speaking in a parable. And we've seen before, and we'll see again, Jesus' parables take a bit of thinking to understand them. Remember that Jesus came out to Tyre and Sidon for some rest. He didn't come to preach. He didn't come to heal. The mission of Jesus was to preach the gospel to the people of Israel. Now, in time, through the disciples, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the gospel would go out to the nations. It does go to the Gentiles, and, and we are proof here today that the gospel has come to the Gentiles. But in Mark 7, that time has not yet come. And so Jesus' parable about the children and the dogs, it's not about calling one group children and offending the other group by saying they are dogs. It's about timing. It's about doing things in the right order. The children who are loved, will they get fed first. Then the dogs who are also loved, then they get fed second. As you're feeding the children, you don't take their bread and throw it to the dogs. There's a proper order for these things, and Jesus is merely saying that he is sticking to the order. He's keeping things in order. The woman's reply to Jesus is both humble, and I think it's funny. I think it's, it's meant to be witty. Jesus is moved not only to action and healing the woman's daughter, but it brings a smile to his face. 
You see her reply in verse 28. She answered him and said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Basically, she's saying, Look, I know you're right, Jesus. I have no place, I have no position to ask anything from you. But my daughter is suffering. And I know you can heal her. So even though it's not the time, and even though I don't deserve it, would you throw the dog a bone? And Jesus says to her, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she came to her house, she found the demon gone and her daughter lying on the bed. I think we learn a great lesson from this woman. And we can again contrast with the Pharisees and scribes of Israel. This woman who is an outsider, well, she's much more a part of the kingdom of God than the Pharisees and scribes will ever be. She finds the outsider's welcome sign. Well, it's for her because of her humility. You see, the Pharisees believed they deserved God's favour. They believed that through their actions and through their behaviour, they could make God bless them. They thought they could put God into their debt by keeping the laws, by being good, by doing all those things that they had made up. They thought they could make God owe them. By contrast, we have a woman who comes to Jesus and says, I know I don't deserve anything from you, but you alone can help my daughter. And if you're willing, I will take any crumbs you can give me from your table. You see, God's kingdom welcomes outsiders. In fact, it's a kingdom for all those who are humble enough to admit we don't deserve to be in. It's a kingdom for those who will admit that we cannot get in through our effort or behaviour. The kingdom of God is for those who enter through trust in Christ. Friends, we cannot be good enough to get into the kingdom of God. We need to realise that we are not good enough and instead have faith that Jesus Christ accepts us on the basis of what he has done. If you think you deserve it, you are missing the point of the kingdom of God. None of us, not one, deserve to be fed at the table. Are we humble enough to come to Jesus and say, I know I am undeserving, but please, if you are willing, may I have some crumbs from your table? And the amazing thing is this. When we come to Jesus in faith, when we fall at his feet and beg for mercy, we are brought in. We are cleaned up and we are given a seat at the table. This woman asked for crumbs, but her daughter was healed completely. The demon was cast out entirely. The truth of the kingdom of God is that those who realize we are dogs, well, we are treated like children. Outsiders are welcome. 
I want us to move on to think about the death and mute man. The geography of what's going on in verse 31 is a little confused. The route that Jesus must have taken uh, to get to the Decapolis is complicated. But if we're going to get caught up in route planning, we miss the point of what Mark is teaching us. By coming to the Decapolis, Jesus is still in Gentile territory. That's the point. Remember, Mark was first written for Gentile Christians living in Rome. So the de details of when Jesus was ministering to Gentiles would not have escaped their attention. It's significant detail. Well, in that region, by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus has brought a man who is deaf and has a speech impediment. Notice that these people who bring him don't actually ask Jesus for healing. They simply ask Jesus to put his hands on the man. This is a symbol of blessing rather than a symbol of healing. Now, whether they didn't believe Jesus could heal or whether they thought that he didn't deserve healing, like the Syrophoenician woman, that's not told to us. But either way, if we look at their reaction in verse 37, you can see that healing was beyond their expectation. They were astonished beyond measure, saying he has done all things well. He makes both the deaf hear and the mute to speak. The miracle itself is an interesting one. I don't want to linger on the details of Jesus spitting, but I think it's important to notice the compassion, the tenderness of Christ in this moment. He's dealing with a man who can't hear. So, although Jesus could have healed the man with a word, he could have said something, he doesn't do that. He uses actions, he uses his hands, and he touches the man. He basically speaks to the man in a way that the man can understand. Touching his ears to demonstrate he will heal the man's hearing. Touching his tongue to show he will heal the man's speech. And this Aramaic word that Jesus uses, ephathatha, well, it's one I think that confirms to the man that he is really hearing things. Ephathatha is not easy to say, let alone lip read. The man was definitely hearing it in his ears. But I want to take you back to the man's condition because not only is he deaf, he's got a speech impediment. He's not able to speak properly. Now, I'm not one to bring too much Greek into my sermons, mainly because my Greek isn't as good as it should be. But I want you to know the word used in verse 32, which is translated as impediment in his speech. The word is mogilalos. Now, that's a fun word to say, mogilalos. But that's not why I'm telling you. I'm telling you because the word isn't used anywhere else in the New Testament. And it's only used once in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So Mark chose it very specifically. It's used in Isaiah 35. And that's where we took our call to worship today. As you would expect, Isaiah 35 follows on from Isaiah 34. And in chapter 34 of Isaiah, there's a bleak picture of the judgment that will come upon people who do not put their trust in God. 
people who are willing to live a life in a world without God face harsh judgment. But then chapter 35 gives us a picture of hope. A picture that God will come in the person of the Messiah to rescue his people. A picture of what the world will look like in the messianic age. I want to read a section of Isaiah 35 for you. Starting at verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer. And the tongue of the dumb shall sing. That word dumb is mogilalos. Isaiah goes on, water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. A highway shall be there and a road and it shall be called the highway of holiness. No lion shall be there nor any ravenous beasts go up on it, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I want you to understand today that with the healing of this deaf and mute man in the Decapolis, most likely a Gentile man, Jesus is clearly announcing to the world that he is the Messiah who will bring about Isaiah 35. In Jesus, all things will be renewed. In Christ, the vision of Isaiah is a reality. The deaf will hear and the Mogilalos will sing for joy. Friends, this miracle which took place thousands of years ago in a, in a small backwater town in the Middle East, this miracle points us to a better future for all who trust in Jesus by faith. It points us to a time when all sickness and disease shall be healed, when there will no longer be any hunger, no longer any thirst, no longer any sorrow or sighing. A time when the messianic kingdom of Jesus Christ will cover this whole earth with joy and gladness. This kingdom of God and his Messiah is a place where all are welcome. Outsiders are welcome here. What great news for us. Especially those who are facing hardship and difficulty at the present time. When the people proclaim in verse 37 that Jesus has done all things well, well, it reminds us of what God proclaimed when he saw his creation before the intrusion of sin. God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. All things were well. And so when Jesus heals this man, he looks up to heaven and he sighs. Verse 34. And I think his sigh is a sign of frustration. Jesus is frustrated that sin is in this world. And because sin has come into this perfect world, it has brought about deafness and speech impediments. Jesus hates the sin 
that Adam and Eve allowed into our world. But Jesus knows also that it is no match for his healing power. The kingdom of God is a place where everything is very good. And it's a place where you are welcome today. Outsiders are welcome. Through Christ and by trusting in him alone, there is no in crowd in God's kingdom. All are welcome who have faith that Jesus can make them well and are willing to come to him for everlasting life. Let us pray together.